Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and today we are breaking down the DFS preview of the Travelers Championship. Joining me as he does every Tuesday, it's Greg Ducharme. What's up, Greg? Rick, uh, another fascinating week last week. Oh, man, I, I had so much fun last week. You killed it, so I'm excited to hear your picks for today. I'm definitely going to be using them. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, last week was... Uh, outside of like literally getting every I think every pick I've made publicly right like was just enjoyable like it was just enjoyable and a lot of fun to watch speaking of things to watch uh you can watch us on YouTube Greg uh first cut pod go follow it go subscribe on YouTube make sure you follow us on Twitter at first cut pod on Instagram as well for all the latest and greatest right Greg all the latest and greatest. You can actually see our faces uh, should you choose. You don't have to look, but, you know, you can go over there. You could like and subscribe, follow along. Yeah, it's good fun. I, I thought the uh, our recap of the RBC Heritage that you, Kyle, and myself did, I, I had a blast during that episode. Uh, it, there were so many it, – it was, like, very reminiscent of what the tournament was like. So it was great fun. You can see it all right on YouTube. So I definitely – Definitely take a look. There you go. This week, Travelers Championship. Third week in a row, we are getting this star-studded field. This time, they're headed to Connecticut. TPC River Highlands. It's a par 70. It's going to play about, I don't know, 68 and a half hundred yards. 68.41 on the scorecard. Greg, we've seen a lot of different types of winners here. Obviously, Bubba eats up three of the wins in like the last 10 years. But I mean, Ches Reeve won this last year. We have a Jordan Spieth sighting in 2017. Ken Duke. How about that name from 2013? Like there is a lot of ways to get it done. See, this is so interesting to me. There's a really interesting parallel between last week and this week. And both of these tournaments are normally played the week after a major. So, while the Travelers is a tournament that has been drawing a much better field year after year, it is a favorite of the players on the PGA Tour. Despite all that, it's still the week after a major. So part of me thinks an RBC Heritage typically right after Masters. So it's almost emotionally an exhale week. It's a little bit of a letdown week for some of these guys. Not that they don't care. Not that it, I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. It's just it's, you're, you're trying to peak for the week before this tournament. So a lot of the guys will take it off or a lot of the guys will kind of be there in a more relaxed state than now. And and now in this situation, this week, we kind of have like a major championship feel like last week. This is a big deal. All the best players are here. Uh, what is it? Nine of the top 10. Uh, yes. It's, it's a, an extremely stacked leaderboard again, and these guys care and they want to get wins. So, 
I, I find that to be very interesting um, as it relates to past success and this success. I'm interested to get your, your thoughts on that. You think that has any effect? Well, it's interesting. And, and we were kind of talking about this uh, before we hit the record button where this three-week stretch that's fresh on everyone's mind, what we've been talking about a lot is like, yes, distance is great everywhere, but it is not a prerequisite. It is not required at either Colonial or especially at Harbortown, in which I think Harbortown actively negates your advantage of distance off the tee. Tr- uh, River Highlands, TPC River Highlands, very short course, just 6,800 yards, not long, but this is a course where you can kind of start to open it up a little bit. So I think it is much more valuable to get those off the tee, potentially longer guys. We'll talk about one here in just a second, but like we're, we're getting out of this. It, it's almost like, you know, you have the, the Florida swing. This is almost like the, the short course swing or like the swing that anybody can win because it's it's kind of so wide open. So I've I've played uh, TPC River Highlands before. Um, it, it's not too far from me. It's probably about two hours away from me. So I, I've played the golf course and I've been to the Travelers um, couple. It was a while ago, but anyway, it's it's kind of like a a cow pasture in a way. Now where it's it's very spacious. There is a lot of land there, um, and and it's a farm. Cromwell's a, a farm town. So it's very, very wide open. And I don't mean cow pasture in a negative way. It's a beautiful golf course. It's just that it, there's, it's not tight. Like Carbertown's so tight and you feel kind of claustrophobic. This one's open. And there are a number of, of holes, a number of tee shots where you can really, really let it go. And a couple tighter ones. Number 10, I would consider to be a tighter tee shot. 14 can be a little tight. Uh, and then 17 is one, but again, that's like an iron off the tee. So there, there's not really too many daunting tee shots because it's narrow. Now the rough can get a little bit longer. Greens can get a little faster. There hasn't been a lot of rain up here in Connecticut at all. I mean, we haven't had a, like a washout day in a very long time. So uh, I, I do think the golf course will play firm and fast and that makes a makes it a wedge fest for sure. So I agree with you where guys off the tee can definitely have their way with it. But I think the, the biggest separator is going to happen with the wedge play. If you have questions about fantasy strategy, betting strategy, anything like that, feel free to drop it in an Apple podcast review. We will uh, get through them as many as we can. And also the reviews help us a ton. Uh, that allows us to do fun stuff like that. But if you drop a question, in the Apple Podcast Review, we will answer it. Uh, for this week, Greg, okay, so now we have another situation where we are going to be seeing a few bigger names for the first time. Patrick Cantlay will be making his you know, post-shutdown debut. Paul Casey, who has just phenomenal course history, probably second to only Bubba. Uh, when you look at, at, at tournament history, Casey's going to be making his, his debut. So now we have this situation again where we're trying to find this balance of will these guys be rusty? What do, we tr- do we trust them? Do we not trust them for guys that should, uh, in theory, set up pretty well for the course? The, the rust is, is fascinating because I do believe you saw some players come back with a little bit of – maybe you call it rust. Maybe it was overexcitement. John Robb missing the cut at the Charles Schwab Challenge. Is that – rust was he just excited I it's hard to differentiate the two especially when you have players 
like Daniel Berger who have come out just racing out of the gates and they're ready to go. Bryson come racing out of the gates, ready to go. Justin Thomas, much of the same. It's hard to say that there's rust for those players. So that kind of success early, it makes it really hard to choose a guy like Patrick Cantlay, but it may, or, or it's hard to make a decision on a Patrick Cantlay. Hard to make a decision on a Paul Casey. What's to say they're not uh, going to be more fresh than everybody else? So I, I, I don't know. Do you steer away from these guys? Are you nervous about a, picking a Patrick Cantlay or Paul Casey? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I, think, I think that I trust those guys. Uh, maybe maybe I yeah. can't say that for everybody. I mean, we did not say that for Dustin Johnson, but I feel like I trust I trust those guys. Top of the betting board, top of the DraftKings player pool. One, two, three, four, five guys over no six guys over ten thousand dollars, led by Rory McIlroy eleven thousand two hundred, Bryson DeChambeau a flat eleven, Justin Thomas ten eight, Webb ten five, John Rom ten two, Brooks Kepka ten thousand, Greg. This is the first week, and it, it kind of depends on where you get this. Um, Rory is not the betting favorite, which is kind of crazy. Now, William Hill actually has Rory and Justin Thomas as co-favorites. So if you look at that and compare it to the salaries, Justin Thomas, who is the third most expensive golfer and the co-favorite to win, you would say that is built-in value. It's absolutely built in value. Definitely something to take a look at. But then again, at the same time, Rory McIlroy at 11200 on DraftKings, that's a really low price for him. I mean, I haven't seen, and you would know more than me on this, Rick, he hasn't been below eleven six all year that I've so seen. It's definitely the lowest in the last three since the shutdown. Um, I would have to go back further than that, but it is a, it is a very fair and reasonable price for Rory McIlroy. And so Bryson would be another player who I'm very interested. I'm interested in all the players that are above 10,000 this week. Um, but Rory has my interest more than usual this week. I, I typically stay away from the top guy because especially when it's been Rory, because he's just been so far ahead. He's been so there, there's been such a high price on him. So do you think Rory, um, and again, the concern I have with Rory is what happens on Sunday, what happens with his putting. Maybe that's unfair, but I just I see a guy who gets himself into contention or gets himself into moments where you really need a big round from him. And if he misses a putt early, a should make putt, you know, somewhere between say five and ten feet, four and eight feet, he misses one of those, and the round seems to go kind of south, uh, and he puts himself out of contention. Do you think Rory's going to be a little more popular because of that lower price this week? Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. So I'm looking back at his, um, at his salary history here. So he was 10,006 at the tour championship, but that doesn't really count because he was the staggered start and the salaries were staggered. And he, he started at five under, right? He was, he was five, five he was five back. Yeah. So that doesn't really count. But then the last time that he was below his price this week, was the 2019 U.S. Open. He was 10500 at Pebble Beach. Usually the pricing is softer for majors, so that makes sense. So this is a really good discount. Um, Kyle made this, this point uh, when I was chatting with him that basically, like, Rory's played two courses since this return, since this restart, that he never plays or hasn't played yeah. in a long time. And, and he might not play them because they might not be good fits for him. He might, there might be a lot of shots that don't fit his eye, 
this is a place that he's played. Now, he, he hasn't played it. He didn't play it last year, uh, but he played the two previous years, and he finished 12th in 2018 and 17th in 2017. So I, I, I guess what I'm getting at is I'm more optimistic this week on Rory with the price and the history than the previous two weeks. I totally agree with you. Makes sense that he didn't play last year. It was a West Coast U.S. Open. So to make that trip is kind of maybe you feel unnecessary. So I totally understand that. I, I love the price. Um, I still love his game, T to Green. And I think he's going to be able to air it out a little more this week. It, it's not as claustrophobic of a course as the last two we've played. And again, you could say he's had just a couple of really bad nines and didn't really get hot with the putter. I, I, I can definitely go Rory McIlroy this week. Um, but if you if you don't want to spend 11-2, Justin Thomas is a really good value at 10-8, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, so I love JT, and um, I think he's trending towards the uh, win. Also, like, we these guys who are really, like, who are this short, under 20-1, to 1, um, they win, like, half the golf tournaments on the PGA Tour. We are now 0-2 on the restart because Berger was 66, Webb was 30, like the big dogs are lurking, and I think yeah. J, I think JT is lurking. I also I, I I'm I'm pretty much convincing myself that Bryson is going to win this. And my thought process is uh, two courses the last two weeks that were not great fits for him. He still figured out a way to be one shot out of a playoff, and then uh, finish T eight. And it was one like that round he had on Saturday at Harbortown. He lost a stroke off the tee, lost a stroke on approach. He has not done that in his last 27 rounds. It was a really bad round for him. And he still, even as everyone's moving around him, finds a way to find it to, to get a top 10. Like he's going to be able to open it up a little bit more. Like there's no way we go much longer without Bryson winning a golf tournament. And he has a pretty good record here. I mean, last two years inside the top 10, which you got to like, um, I, I, I mean, Again, I, I do think he can air it out here. It's almost like the, o- the only question is, is he, is he too long? Like 15 is his drivable par four. That's like 280 yards. Is he going to hit an iron off that tee? <laughs> yeah, what is he going to hit? Ser- ser- there, there are a couple of holes out there where I, I'm not sure. What's he going to hit on 11? Par- I guess he's probably going to hit like a 3 o'clock 9 iron or something. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how Bryson will attack the golf course, but it's certainly – an advantage number two for him certainly becomes drivable uh you, you already have 15 which is going to be i, I mean I'm, I'm not kidding he's going to hit iron off number 15 probably all four days unless it's into the wind significantly and he's going to reach the green so i that's a, it's a huge advantage you it's like you have an extra par three but it's a par four so i, I mean bryson i can feel it and i continue to kind of I don't want to say overlook him, but the two guys I mentioned in this range are Rory and Justin Thomas. Of course, I leave out the guy who won last week. uh, And and Bryson, you got to figure Bryson's going to put himself in the mix again this week. I I don't know how he does it. We'll we'll see. Now, for the second week in a row, we kind of get this compacted $9,000 range. I don't remember. And maybe it's been because it's been three months off, but like, I don't remember the the player pools being like this. I I always thought we'd have like we'd have like four or five guys at 10k. We'd have like six or eight and nine and just be like this is like I think there was like five guys last week. There's I don't know six this week. Cantlay's back at 98. Xander's in there at 96. DJ 94. 
Then you go to Rosie at 92, Morikawa at 91, and Abe Answer, who tried to steal that golf tournament last week at a flat $9,000. This, this continues to feel like the, the section that like wins, wins or loses you a million bucks. It's such an interesting section. I mean, the guy that stands out to me the most – uh, see, Patrick Cantlay is interesting because you almost wonder again, like, do you go down and start a lineup there with him? Maybe that's a little risky since he hasn't played. So uh, Cantlay is kind of at an awkward price for me, even though I like him. I love all of his statistics at a golf course like this. It's hard not to. I mean, he's he's uh, fourth strokes gained approach the green. He's definitely a top five player, and I don't have that one in front of me. But uh, 43rd off the tee, fourth approach the green. I know I'm pretty sure he's like fifth or something TV green and, and he came in uh, tied 15th the last two years. So that makes so much sense, but it's kind of an awkward price for me, especially when you look down a couple of players at Justin Rose. And I kind of feel the same way you do about Bryson DeChambeau. Justin Rose is just primed and ready to go. And he's, he's ready for a win. I mean, Justin yeah. Rose looks like he is going to win one of these tournaments. And I get the sense that he's just at this maturity level that a lot of the other guys in this group simply aren't. I'll tell you what, man, he looks so good. I, I really agree. He, he flips the switch. He flipped the switch during the shutdown, whether it was the clubs or whether it was confidence or whether it was a combination of the, of the two. Uh, one shot out of the playoff at Colonial, played great at Harbor Town. Like, yeah. Dude, dude's knocking again. He's 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 back in shape. Uh, what about friend of the pod, Colin Morikawa? He's ninety one hundred dollars. Uh, if this does turn into a second shot course, which it tends to be, we know what Morikawa can do. Um, I guess really the only concern. I think there's two ways to look at this. You know, he 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 loses in a playoff by missing a putt. Uh, he made the cut last week, but kind of floundered around. He finished sixty fourth, so he still has the cut streak going. He he dropped like I think he was like ten thousand something last week. Now he's ninety one hundred. Like I I think this kid is resilient. Uh, I love his attitude. I I want to buy back in at ninety one. It it is a great price on him. I I got this sense last week that there may be a little bit of pressure mounting with him. So I I kind of feel like there's this cut streak pressure. There's this. Uh, this conversation about how good this kid's going to be. And he feels like maybe he really let one go with the missed putt. I don't know where he is mentally um, based on that, but I get a sense that there's a lot of pressure kind of building with him. So it makes me a little bit nervous. Um, it makes me a little bit nervous. He's extremely talented. It's a good golf course for him because every golf course is a good one for him. But I just have a hard time finding – I think I'm so much higher on Justin Rose than Colin Morikawa this week. I have a hard time fitting him in uh, to, to a lot of lineups. So I, I'm a fade on Morikawa. I, I wonder if there's just a little too much pressure. Would it be a long-term positive for Morikawa to miss a cut and just have us stop talking about this? You know, it's like when – Coach K at Duke, like he wants his team to lose like two weeks before the tournament starts so that like you get a little adversity, you can work through it. You don't want to go 35 and 0 headed into the tournament. Like, like I could almost argue we should just get this streak over with. I see where you're coming from, but no, I don't think so. I, I think it would be more beneficial for him to take a week off, get a little rest and recoup 
get his kind of his thoughts together, get out of the limelight a little bit, and come back ready to win a tournament again. You know, it's so interesting when the cut streak is in your mind, when making the cut is in your mind, this is something Brooks Kepka has talked about before. You tend to finish around the cut, right? Brooks was trying to make cuts, and he would finish right around the cut. Then he shifted his focus to, I want to start to finish in the top 10. And every time he played, he seemed to finish right around the top 10. And when he finally got it in his head that he could win, and he started to get it in his head that he wanted to win, he was finishing right around the lead, especially in majors. And, and he ended up winning a lot. And so I, I wonder if Morikawa's in the – if his – head is in a space where he's thinking about making the cut in a week like last week rather than winning take a week off get yourself uh rested and recouped and come back with a focus on winning and Kyle Morikawa the cut streak will be it it will be so far in the back of his mind because he'll just be focused on winning which he can do yeah it's actually funny I think when we talked to Morikawa he mentioned that quote from Brooks and he was like that like changed kind of the way I thought about things. Yeah. Um, and then he rattled off a couple of like top tens right after that. Um, okay. So the, looking at kind of the, some of these betting odds, I mean, Br- Bryson for the guys we've talked about, like Bryson's 14 to one, Justin Rose is 28. Like if you like Rose, that's a really good number. He's yeah. like, he's below Cantlay. He's in the same spot as DJ and Xander. Like that's a pretty, pretty good number on Rose. I would think. It's my number one bet. I think for uh, in a bet to win, I, he's he's ready to go. He's just bubbling on the surface. I like Bryson too. It seems like a good golf course for Bryson. So it, it's hard to find negatives about Bryson. Hard to find negatives about Justin Rose. But I, I like the odds. I, I mean, Rose he's, he's my my top bet to win. The question isn't who my top bet to win is. The question is who's your top bet to win. <laughs> um. Yeah. So like. JT and Bryson have my full attention. They have my full attention. Yeah, deservedly so. I do not usually bet the top of the board. I I like to live in the 25 to 35 range. And then I get, I like to get a couple of bullets in the forties, fifties, and sixties. I don't like to live at the top uh, because it's so hard to win golf tournaments. So hard to win. Um, But I will tell you, those two guys are like, I'm the more I just sit here and look at this and, and I'm a numbers guy, Greg, you know, that, Bryson has to win. Like he has to win soon. I don't know if it's this week. I don't know if it's, I I don't know. He might probably takes a week off next week, but like the dude's going to have to win at some point. It's, it's, it it can't, he cannot keep playing like this and not win. So I got a question for you. You're going to go, you mentioned it's so hard to win golf tournaments and like over, over a period of time as a, as a better over a period of time, you like to live in a certain range. It sounds like that is a strategy where, you're kind of going to ride ups and flows. When you win, you'll get you'll get better odds. So you'll kind of recoup for some losses when the big when the superstars do actually win. But if you had to just bet, you're just betting one week. This week, it's the first bet you've ever placed on the game of golf. If you win, you may bet again. If you lose, you're done betting golf forever. Where do you go? Are you are you at the top this week? Yeah, yeah, I'd bet Bryson or JT. Like almost yeah. almost exclusively those two. I think. I think that they are, they eat up a lot of the win equity in this, in this field. Yeah. You heard it here first. First cut podcast. Oh oh boy. Fingers crossed. See if we can hit another one. Um, All right. Here's what we'll do. We'll jump into the eight K's. I love the eight K range, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. 
Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. $8,000 led by Paul Casey at 8900 Bubba Watson. I've, I've heard Bubba likes this course. Not, not sure if, we, if we've talked about that. 8800 uh, Then you've got Patrick Reed, Sungjae, Sergio, Spieth, Woodland, Finau, Fitzpatrick, and Mark Leishman. Oh, my. Uh, let's just start with Bubba, Greg. He's... 8,800 presumably will be one of the more popular golfers on the slate because of the, oh, I don't know, three-time champion status that he holds here? Uh, it's a Bubba course. We say Bubba. that there are, there are a couple throughout the year that are Bubba courses, and he's basically made his living on a handful of courses. He's made a Hall of Fame career out of a handful of golf courses. We, right? Riviera uh, here, TPC River Highlands, and Augusta National. Yep. That's exactly right. Now, there have been a couple other places where he's played well occasionally, but this is where he's created a Hall of Fame career. No question about it. So do I like Bubba this week? Yes. Uh, I love Bubba this week. You're right. He'll be really popular, which, uh, you know, last week, Webb Simpson, I think it was like 27% ownership or something. This is a testament to, I think people are getting smarter and sharper because a couple of years ago, okay, so let's rewind. Charles Schwab, Webb was the most popular golfer on the slate and missed the cut. 
in which two years ago, that would have been a death sentence for his number the next, the next week. No one would have played him off the missed cut. He then was like the highest, the highest player again, a uh, highest owned player again last week. So that's, that's people getting smarter that it's okay to miss a cut. It's not the end of the world. Right. I, I totally understand that. So I, I could see Bubba being a really close to the highest owned. Is that, is that crazy to, for Bubba to end up being the highest owned player this week? So I think it's going to happen. I yeah. I probably will not par- participate in that because, like, okay, it's one thing for Webb to be the highest owned golfer. He's like f- outside of that weird miscut. The first start back is like one of the most consistently good players on the face of the earth. Right. Bubba, on the other hand, uh, Bubba and consistency do not go hand in hand. Yes, he he could finish. He could pop off and win this thing as he's done three times in the last decade, or he goes out and misses the cut. Like, I don't want to be on the 25% guy who is as volatile as, as anything. A couple good things that I like about Bubba this week. Um, tied seventh at the Charles Schwab, which I like. 16th in strokes game putting this year. Very, very unlike Bubba numbers. Um, Bubba's not a guy you can pay attention to stats on, in my opinion, because he's there because there's, he's so dependent on the course. Right. It, yeah. It's like if, if it's a Bubba course, he'll play well. It doesn't matter what his numbers are. He'll become the best putter you've ever seen uh, in, in Georgia in April. Um, but then you get him at the Players' Championship, and he's the worst putter on the PGA Tour. So it, it's hard to find your balance with Bubba. But I do like that. I, I see signs of Bubba having a little bit of confidence, which going into this course can be very good. The big concern is the, that, that ownership probability but then again if he wins you don't want to miss out on that i mean if you didn't bet webb last week you really missed out yeah so, because our timeline was filled with web tickets last week everybody was right. sending their screenshots in it was like it was wild yes you don't you don't want to miss it i i get yes you're absolutely right so i i guess where where are we i guess with bubba um if he fits in your lineup but i'm not making a lot i'm not building a lineup around bubba there's a couple I, other guys i like in the eight yeah, like I, like I think we both like Sergio, right? Yes, no question. Yeah, he uh, led the field in strokes gained tee to green last week, almost 14 more than Abraham Answer, more than Joaquin Neiman. I mean, literally more than everybody. He led the field. Uh, lost three strokes putting. If this is going to be another ball strikers course, another ball strikers week, dang. Sir. And, and he charged on Sunday, which is like always such a good sign to see. From We, yeah. we, t- we talked about it. Okay, this was low-key almost the best thing that happened last week. Yeah. Is after 36 holes, we came on here, and I, I read off Sergio was 80 to 1 or something. I put yeah. it in. I, I took a piece of it. He's flying up the leaderboard on Sunday, and I'm like, oh my god, we, we gave out an 80 to 1 on Friday night. Like Somebody took it. I'm telling you, Rick, you were just on fire. I know. It was crazy. Here's the thing, the big positive to Sergio. Um, so on course record this morning, Michael Breed, who majors in putting, right? He's a, a golf coach who majors in putting. And he was so impressed with, with Sergio's putting stroke. And though the numbers weren't great, the, he had the ball rolling. It was, it was at the right weight, right? It's at dead weight. He's back to the claw. He had it starting online and he's giving it a chance. And for that reason, you look at Sergio's putting statistics and he's 200 and what was it? 209th or something. I think entering last week, he was 209th in strokes yeah, was, game putting. It was bad. It, it's really bad. But when you, when you look at a player like that coming off of a break, 
and they're making noticeable improvements in their putting stroke. And you have a, co a, a, a national teacher of the year saying, yeah, hey, look, that putting stroke is noticeably better. That's a great sign for me. There's a ton of value to be had there. So I'm with you. Love Sergio this week. So the um, here's what's kind of interesting. Sergio's, not, I'm not going to jump tiers here, but Sergio's 8,500. Joaquin Neiman is 7,900. Uh, the parallels are very strong right here between these two. They are both 45 to one to win the golf tournament. They were first and third in strokes gained off the, uh, excuse me, strokes gained T to green last week, both made a charge on Sunday. So like Neiman might be the discount Sergio, if that kind of makes sense. I, for some reason, I'm not to a point where I trust Joaquin yet. Um, it doesn't mean you can't play him because. I, I just don't trust him yet. I see too many inconsistencies with him still. He's so young, so it's understandable, and his future is bright. But um, I just – I'm not to a point yet where I trust him week to week to week. He's going to rip off good weeks, uh, and he may have a good stretch of weeks. But where is he over the long haul? I don't know yet. So let's, let's do this. It, uh, you have to erase everything you know about Sergio, okay? And just like, – like, who do you trust more, 2020 Sergio or 2020 Joaquin Neiman? Great question. <laughs> they're, bo it's, they're both very inconsistent. They yeah. both, they both uh, when the putter gets hot, it gets scorching. They're both great tee to green, and they're both like just as likely to top five as miss the cut, I feel like. It, it's a great they, – they have win equity. Both of those players yes. have win equity. I yes. would say – here's what I'll say. Joaquin Neiman has more win equity than Sergio, in my opinion. He might. Um, maybe more miscut opportunity, maybe more miscut equity as well. He might, so, yeah. you know what? You may have just sold me. I, I may, I may turn on, I may play a, a, a walkie in it when we get down to the seven yeah. Ks. I think they're both interesting. Just knowing what you're kind of getting, you're getting a yeah. really volatile, high upside guy who played well T to green last week. That's like the most you can ask for out of those two guys. And that's what you're getting. How about Tony Fino? Uh, doesn't do it for me. No. Now, so I Tony's mean, got a couple of good record, a couple good finishes here. T17, T25, T25. That's 17, 2017, 2016, 2015. He's 10th strokes gain approach. When's he going to win? Maybe this week. <sighs> I know. I know. It, he just doesn't it, it's win. It's heartbreaking because you love him, but he doesn't win. I love but is him. There but like Leishman, okay, so guys around him, Leishman wins more. Woodland wins more. Uh, we think ne Neiman definitely wins more. Like Hovland has won more recently. Like I just, what are you getting? Uh, like maybe top five upside? I, I think he got definitely top five upside. I think, he, I mean, look, the guy is, uh, he, he comes in second and loses a heartbreaker in a playoff to Webb Simpson. The yeah. Farmers the week before tied sixth. Tied 23rd at Charles Schwab. I, I understand. I, I'm with you there. But I'm looking at this guy saying he's he's got to break through at some point. But it sounds like you're not really interested in going early on Tony Finau. You're interested I, in being I, late on him. I would love it if Tony Finau started winning golf tournaments. He is the, he's the best. He's fun to watch. He's the nicest guy. I, I, it's, but like when you look at other people and like, you can't bet him, you cannot bet. Think no. about all the bets that have been placed. He's 50 to one this week. Think about all the outright bets that have been placed on Tony Finau in the last 
four years that have literally returned nothing. Over. Over. Do you believe in the curse? The Puerto Rico Open curse? I will. Okay, so Hovland has to break it. Hovland is definitely going to break it. So those one of these don't two. know, the, the curse is no one who's ever won the Puerto Rico Open has ever won another event that wasn't the Puerto Rico Open, right? Yeah. It, I don't know if they've ever won another event at yes. all. Somebody won the Puerto Rico Open a second time, I think. Okay. Uh, I, can, I can find out uh, in a second. But yes, so the curse is it's like the Madden curse or whatever. Yeah. But uh, Hovland now has a chance to, to be the guy who uh, – Michael Bradley. Michael Bradley won oh. 2009 and 2011, but he never okay. won another event. Never won anything else. Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's fascinating. I think Tony can break it too. Hovland, Hovland and Finau both have to break it. But anyway, I digress on Tony. But I, I do – I like Tony this week. He's a, he's a play for me. I, I see a, a, lot of, a lot of good things out of him. Not a bet to win, but he's a play. Okay. Um, I have to do my uh, Sung JM spot here. So let me just read you a fun little stack, Greg. Yeah. Terrible last week. Terrible on the greens. He lost four and a half strokes putting last week. Yeah, you tweeted this out. You see this? The, yeah. His, his worst performance ever. Second worst performance ever, RBC Heritage last year. 3.7 strokes lost. Uh, wow. Those two events account for 31 percent of all the events he's lost strokes putting in those two um by far his worst two events as a professional anything we have measured on him like uh i buy i buy on sung jay all the time i definitely buy low after a week after a week like that and seeing that harbor harbor just might not be a good spot for him it, it's a very unique golf course in a way Right, yeah. Pete Dye, we know tight, we know he clearly doesn't have the greens figured out. <laughs> no, so not even close. Who knows what it is? It could be a, a lot of different things. But hearing what he did last year at uh, at RBC Heritage is fascinating. It kind of validates it, right? He doesn't have a problem with the putting stroke. He's there. There's like a, a a kind of a course issue going on. So that that is a great bet to win, I think. Yeah, he's 35 to 1. So his odds have been kind of all over the place in this restart because he came back as I think his odds were really short in like the first week. Uh now obviously that he's missed the cut, he's down to 35. And and yes, you want to talk about win equity from guys who are 35 to 1? Like yeah, he's got it for sure. Super high. Love it. Love Sungjae. Um I'm trying to think if there's anybody else here. I don't want to waste any oxygen on Jordan Spieth, do you? Uh no, it's no different. He's, He's no different. This is, I, I looked this up. I'll, let me just, I'll give you right, something quick. Here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Jordan Spieth, the positive that we've had on Jordan Spieth here is uh, bir- he's making a ton of birdies, right? He's uh, all yes. this excitement. It's a roller coaster. It's up and down. Consider last year, Charles Schwab challenge. He came in tied eight this year, tied 10th in 2018 and 2019. He was 10th in birdie average both those years. Okay. 10th on tour and birdie average. That means even in his struggles, even in the years that are the worst years of his career, he's making a ton of birdies. So what, what does that mean? I'm not seeing anything different with Jordan. It's always been how bad's his bad shot. Uh, and does he have any chance to recover? And right now, I mean, I've never heard a guy get two bad breaks within eight holes that end up out of bounds on the PGA tour. Not, yeah. it doesn't come from winners. So uh, yeah, I'm a fade on Jordan. 
here's the stat for uh, first two rounds last week. He was fourth in strokes gained approach. The final two rounds, the weekend, he was third worst in the field of everybody who made the cut. Unbelievable volatility from him right now. He's got some things to figure out. I still root for him. Still love the guy, but he's got a lot of figuring out to do. $7,000 range. Uh, There's some names here. There's some names I like. We we talked about Hall, or I'm sorry, we talked about Neiman. He's $7,900. Victor Hovland is here. Um, He played, you know, T21 last week. Uh, I think one round kind of got away from him, but he played he played well on Sunday. Um, there's a lot here. I mean, Ryan Palmer was in contention. You have the defending champion, Ches Reavy. You have Corey Connors, who has shown up on leaderboards recently. Uh, we have Ben On, who is someone that we haven't talked about. I, I think I've given up on, on Ben On, by the way. Um, yeah. I mean, Dylan Fratelli played well. I mean, he, he was their clubhouse leader last week. I mean, there, there's a Brian lot. Brian Harmon shot a couple good rounds. All right, Brian Harmon's an interesting one. Is he a guy you like? I, I like Brian Harmon, but I'm still like I, I really liked him coming back. I liked him at the Charles Schwab. I liked him last week. Yeah. Um, courses that would really fit him. I'm I'm just not quite I'm I'm not quite seeing it out of him. Where I'm like, okay, Brian Harmon's back to 2017 Brian Harmon, where he's contending in the U.S. Open. Uh, you know, taking on Brooks Kepka despite the distance. I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. So I'm going to take a week off on Brian Harmon but it's probably going to come back to bite me. But, I mean, the guy that I'm going to keep riding is Joel Damon. Joel yeah. Damon just continues to go shoot. He didn't have a great Sunday, but he, he continues to go out and shoot 63, 65. Like, for a guy that seems to be very steady, his statistics are very steady. He's top 30 in all of the ball striking categories um, as far as strokes gained are concerned last time I checked. And he just – he – uh, can shoot really low scores for a guy who, who would seem really steady, a guy who seems like he's kind of average. And I think those low scores, that gives him a little more win equity than we think. So uh, he's still extremely underrated. I'm going to keep riding him. I like that. Um, Harmon is interesting. So Harmon is 66 to one if you want to bet him out, right? Um, so we talk, we've talked about this a couple of times in the past two weeks where basically there are not a lot of guys on tour who gain strokes in all four categories. There's not. There's like 12 a week, basically, is right. what it ends up being. Harmon's one of them, believe it or not. And now he's not outstanding in anything, but it, it is kind of a, at least recently a safer floor because – he doesn't, you know, if one thing goes wrong, he can kind of make up for it. He has the really, I mean, when you talk about uh, course history or, or tournament history, Bubba, Paul Casey, and Brian Harmon have like some of the best history here. Harmon has three top eight finishes in the last five years. So I'm not a big fan. He got, he only got on my radar because you brought him up the last two weeks yeah. and he's, and he's played well. And I'm like, oh man, maybe, I don't know how popular he'll be, but like, it's, it is interesting. I, I don't. I don't mind. He's, it. he's a good wedge player. That's what yeah. I'll give. He any. He, he can be a good putter. Of past couple of years, it's been a little inconsistent. But he's a really good wedge player, uh, and he could be accurate off the tee. And a course like this could suit him really well. I'm just. I'm like. Oh, he almost the last two weeks. I was high on him, and he, he did pretty well. But he almost bored me. So I. I, I know this is gonna. I'm gonna take off. I'm gonna take off with Brian Harmon this week and. He's going to win or contend or something. Uh, chances are he finishes like T32 and we don't even see a shot from him all week. And he just quietly like, you know what I mean? That's like the yeah. most likely outcome. Right. Um, right. 
the last guy here for me is a guy I wanted to play last week, and he was a late withdrawal. Scotty Scheffler's back in the field. Um, he's 7,600. Two takeaways for Scotty Scheffler. Ton of birdies. Ton of birdies. I haven't yeah. looked him up recently, but I think he was fourth in birdie average like last week, so he can't be that far off of that this week. Um, and that is so weighted in on fantasy sites that he becomes such a good play every week. And the way that he played at uh, Colonial, where he was super popular, uh, he like was plus six, I think, off the tee and on approach, and then gave it all away in the short game, which is like it, it was like hard to imagine you could give that much away. Yeah, because he's not he's not like a great short game player, but he's like a very average short game player. So he shouldn't be giving any away. He should be like at zero. And he, and he gave away like six shots in those categories. So I, I'm, I'm interested to buy back in on Scotty uh, now coming off a week's worth of rest. Yeah, I'm very interested in it too. It, it's a course you can hit a ton of greens on. You really can. You, you can go out there and, and hit it really well. It's not like Harbortown, you feel like Abraham Answer proved this wrong. And the greens got really soft. But if Harbortown's a little windy and it gets firm with really small greens, you're going to miss some. It's very likely that you're going to miss some. Uh, Colonial's the same way. Short game is usually very important at these courses. The Travelers is a place where you can really, you can get it going tee to green and you can hit a lot of greens. So um, for that, I love, love Scotty Scheffler. And I, I, I choose Scotty Scheffler over Brian Harmon because of the birdies that you mentioned. I, I think you're right. He's fourth in birdie average. Yeah. Um, so Brian Harmon's nowhere. Brian Harmon's in the 100s in birdie average. So your, your chances of having success, especially in a fantasy league, go way up with Scotty Scheffler. So I'm totally with you on that. Uh, love Scotty this week. The super cheapies, $6,000 range. Um, Phil headlines the $6,000 range at 6900 Oh, boy. It's pretty ugly down here, to be quite frank. Uh, Brendan Todd's here. Johnny Vegas is here. Um, you know what it, this feels like? Okay. This is a kind of a tangent. How come like the really good players never shoot fifty nine? Like okay, Furyk, Furyk, I understand shoots fifty nine, shoots fifty eight. He's a he's an all timer. He had one of the best strokes gain seasons ever. But like the other guys who shoot fifty nine, why why doesn't Rory shoot? Why is not why is Tiger not shot fifty nine? It, it's it's a great <laughs> question. And I don't know the answer. I, I don't know. It's it's really hard to do. It's extremely rare. But look, the truth of the matter is the guys that are playing on the PGA Tour are really good. All of them. Every single one of them. And, I mean, Joel Damon shot 58 in the break. I've said yeah. it, been saying it every week. So, like, like you can you get on the right course in the right situation. You turn it up and get really hot, and it can happen. Here, here's the one, one point I'll make on it. I believe that the best players, their advantage rises when they get on really hard golf courses. Mm. And it's almost like if you put uh, some of the best players in the world in a Corn Ferry Tour event where the course is easy, scoring got really low, they wouldn't win in a runaway. Because the difference between making a par and a birdie goes down almost. The, yeah. the, the gap, that gap changes and it narrows. So you typically see the crime, uh, the cream rise to the top when the golf course, when the challenge increases, the penalty for missing increases. So shot values go up. So uh, that would be the, maybe it's just, it's the courses that offer 59s are a little bit easier and the bet. I don't know. 
Well, it's a hard question. To yeah, answer. I mean, it's impossible to ever find out. But the the reason I brought it up is because this is where Furyk shot his fifty eight. This yes. is this is it. Um, anybody in the six thousand dollar range that moves the needle for you? Look, there's nobody in here where I'm like licking my chops over. There's inherent risk all over this board, as you mentioned. I mean, Carlos Ortiz played great last week, so he's somebody who you may have your eye on. Russell Henley just pops off the page to me. He's a guy who can be a really good iron player, um, and and so, but he's so risky, right? He's going to miss a cut and make a cut, and I have no real trust in him. Here, here's I, Russell Henley's results because you're absolutely right, Greg. Uh, missed cut at the RBC, eighth at Honda, seventeenth at Genesis, absolutely stacked field. Missed cut at Waste Management, so it's either like a top fifteen or a missed cut. And then his last three years here, eleventh, sixth, missed cut. There is there is nothing yeah. in between. You're getting a top ten or you are getting a Friday evening departure. What is uh? What's his stroke scan approach? You have that in front of you? Yeah, he's point uh, five five. Yeah, so. It could be decent. Like he can get really streaky with with his iron. Yeah, play. he's like twenty second in this field in approach, something like that. How do you feel about taking a chance this week on a Cameron Champ or a Math Wolf? Not good. Uh, so they are they're guys I rarely invest in because they are one trick ponies. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. at this point in their career, where. Uh, you know, Cam Champ specifically, the off the tee game uh, is so good. Everything else is so bad. He needs a lot to go right to find the winner's circle. I feel like, you know, we'll get a bigger sample size on Matthew Wolf as we as we go through this. But, like, it, it's really hard for those guys to, to, to put it together. Um, I, I'll tell you who I like. I like Doc Redman. Doc Redman is $6,700. If you only look at the last three rounds last week, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, run the numbers fourth in strokes gained tee to green abraham answer was better sergio was better joaquin neiman was better that is it so if he can continue so he, he just played poorly i think he was over par i think he was over par on thursday goes nuts the final three rounds if he can keep any semblance of that 6700 bucks pays for itself easily he can get it going i i mean i think back to the uh, rocket mortgage last year we're right around that same time of year uh, made some, yeah, maybe, maybe he gets a, maybe he gets a run in him. What do you think? Now, another guy that interests me in this range, I, I bring this guy up a lot and he's been playing, I would say, okay, but I feel like he's, he was tied 17th last week. He shot a 67 on Sunday, which wasn't great, but Johnny Vegas, um, he just, he interests me for some reason. I feel like he's better than his statistics. He drives it really well. Fourth. Strokes gain off the tee for the year, 181st strokes gain approach the green, which like, both, and, and he's 195, uh, 195th strokes gain putting. I was talking to a, a player last year, early in the year last year, around the time of the, it, it was a little bit after the players. Might have been, I think it was Bronson Bergoon. He was saying, Johnny Vegas is putting better than anybody on the PGA Tour. But he was like 165th in strokes game putting at the time. So you don't always know how up-to-date the statistics are on a player, and you don't know how close they are. Justin Thomas, for instance, couldn't get a ball to go in the hole for, for all of Sunday at, the, uh, at Colonial, really all week at Colonial. And for the first three days at the RBC Heritage, couldn't get a ball to go in the hole, and all of a sudden 
on Sunday, he shoots 63 because everything goes in. I wonder if there's a really low round for Johnny Vegas coming around the way. Um, and so very risky again, but I, I kind of like taking a risk with him. I do like that he is – I mean, he is elite off the tee. He is yeah. very good off the tee. So he has an elite skill set, which I do like, and he does pop occasionally, uh, which I think is great. So, yeah, I, I think you could do much worse than that, Greg. Um, all right. I think that'll do it. Uh, I don't think we can go any deeper. Right? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, a reminder, golf will be back on the airwaves this weekend on CBS. We'll have another podcast coming your way with the whole gang where we'll cover matchups, some more outrights as well. As you know, a little bit of prop action sprinkled in there too. And daily recaps, those seem popular after each round. Uh, some good uh, good comments about those, so very excited. Uh, let me thank you, Greg. That's Greg Ducharm. You can find him on Twitter at TheRealGFD. I'm Rick Gaiman. You can find me on Twitter at RickRunGood. This has been The First Cut, and we'll talk to you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.